0: Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am sitting here with Kara Kamenev. How are you, Kara? Good, Angela. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. So I want to introduce Kara to you because I think you guys are going to really love her story. So an engaged and dynamic leader, Kara Kamenev is CEO of the young and wildly dignified Thomas Ashbourne, a premium craft cocktail company that launched in the spring of 2022. Recognized as a collaborative and inclusive partner, Kamenev built a first-rate team of celebrity partners. Founding partners include Sarah Jessica Parker, Vanessa Hudgens, Rosario Dawson, Ashley Benson, and Playboy Cardi. And beverage industry professionals that successfully helped Thomas Ashbourne stand out apart from others in the ready-to-sip category. As a first-time CEO, Kamenev is proud to count herself among the 4% of women who make up C-suite positions in the beverage industry and is dedicated to help grow that number. Yes, I can relate to you. (laughs) So a proven brand builder, Kamenev has more than 15 years of experience running marketing, business development, and investor relations at Fortune 10 companies in the beauty and CPG industries. Formerly the vice president of brand management, excuse me, the vice president of brand engagement for L'Oreal Paris, Kamenev guided uh, marketing for the brand in the U.S. focusing on brand equity marketing, social media, paid media, digital and philanthropy, specialty, uh, specifically the growth and expansion of the Women of Worth program. She managed celebrity and brand ambassadors for L'Oreal Paris's domestic and global initiatives and was responsible for the strategic development of global platforms, including cons and fashion Paris Fashion Week. Kamenev has also served as the AVP of communications and content in the L'Oreal Paris corporate communications team. So wow, so impressive. Um, also want to mention that you hold a degree in business from Emory University, which is right here in my backyard in Atlanta, and recognized as 2021's emerging talent and leadership honoree by the Beauty Trade Authority, Cosmetic Executive Women. So uh, thank you again, Kara, for joining us. This is very exciting and you have such an impressive resume. So I can't wait to dive into this with you.
1: Thanks, Angela. Yeah, it's, it's fun to hear it read back to you. You're like, wow, I did some of those things. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> time flies uh, when you're having fun.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And I apologize. I was stumbling through because I'm not wearing my glasses and I've been wearing it all day. And so, yeah, my eyes are still adjusting to, <laughs> to reading again. Um, so tell me what got you started in the cosmetics industry. Let's kind of start there because you spent a lot of time with L'Oreal. So what yeah. drew you into that?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I always knew I wanted to be in beauty. I actually didn't know I always wanted to be in alcohol, but here we are. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about <laughs> that. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I went to Emory and went to business school there and um, I actually applied for an internship at L'Oreal and I didn't get it. And I was completely undeterred um, yeah. as usual. And I ended up starting my career in finance. I was at, at Bloomberg for several years, I think almost five years. Um, and I became a credit specialist there and loved the basis that finance gave me,
0: mm-hmm. but knew
1: that I ultimately wanted to end up working something more consumer facing um, okay. specifically, you know, beauty. So I, I, Made a quick stop in fashion um, at PBH and I did business development and investor relations there. And then I wiggled my way into L'Oreal and ended up staying there 10 years, which is where I spent the majority of my career before, you know, founding and, and running the brand Thomas Ashburn that, that I run now. So mm-hmm. um, the 10 years flew by, the two years of, on this business have flown by. And I think, you know, uh, you never know well you're, where you'll end up but it helps if you kind of know what you love doing and the things Mm. that don't don't let you get bored.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've taken some pretty sharp pivots, you know, finance to beauty and now to alcohol. So, you know, where was I, you've already kind of explained the, the, you know, you wanted to go into beauty initially pivoted into finance and then you came back. So where did the pivot into alcohol and spirits come from?
1: Yeah. So again, I spent the majority of my career in beauty and yeah. 10 years, I really, I call L'Oreal like with, I, I say it with like the most, like almost like affection for, for an old friend or family. I loved it so much. And I I really believe it was a school of marketing, you know, the yeah. privilege to work on the world's largest brand. L'Oreal Paris is the largest brand in the world. It's $2 billion globally. Uh, sorry, yeah. $2 billion in the U S alone. So it was an incredible experience. And I, I believe in particular what beauty does really well is consumer connection. Yeah. I think because it's such an intimate industry, it's truly like what you're putting on your face. It's how you present yourself to the world. It's, it's an intimate experience. And I think because of that, and you know, because of the power of that brand, I, I saw firsthand how the consumer could fall in love with a brand. So it's not just about a brand that somebody uses. That's one thing. But to love and trust a brand is something very different. And mm-hmm. that's what I spent 10 years just obsessing over, how to yeah. create that kind of brand love. So on one hand, I, I saw that and I know how to do that. I can do it in my sleep in a, in a way because it's something I just trained myself on for so, so long and the organization trains you on. But then in addition, I think what beauty, a lot of advocacy, so like celebrity and influencer was born in beauty, like the how-to, the YouTube, Mm -hmm. a lot of these things started in the beauty industry and have then trickled into other industries. So, and we can talk about this later, but I came to a bit of a crossroads in my life for a number of reasons, personal and professional. And I think as you get older, you realize a lot of your professional life is impacted by your personal life. Oh, absolutely. And I saw that As I looked like, okay, what else can I do to accommodate some of my personal challenges right now? I looked at other industries and I thought that nobody was doing as well as beauty. Nobody was, was connecting with the consumer the same way in other industries. And Mm -hmm. I did not think that particularly in Alfeb, any brand had mastered the ability to harness celebrity and build a brand. So there's no shortage of celebrities in alcohol, but What I didn't see was somebody both building a brand that consumers could love and trust Mm -hmm. and at the same time, harnessing celebrity to do so. And I think it's that those two unique things that I'm personally so good at that kind of inspired me to to make the change and the shift. And look, AlcBEV is a complex industry. It's highly regulated. It's very different than beauty, but it's been an incredible journey. I've met incredible people. I've surrounded myself with subject matter experts. I've learned a lot in two years. Like I can talk the talk now. Um, doesn't mean yeah. that I don't ask questions when I need to, but um, but you know it's it's actually been an industry that I think welcomed me with open arms. I was a bit Good. surprised because you know the stats on women in leadership in this industry are tough. It's certainly different than beauty in that respect, but right. um, but I'm really glad that I'm here. Um, I'm extremely proud of the brand that we're building, and I'm uh, I take what I learned from other industries, bring them into this one, and I think why not? That's how we innovate, right?
0: Absolutely. So I love that you pivoted into two industries that um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but those are two of the most recession proof industries. So uh, because so when when we have a recession, people tend to actually drink more. So the alcohol industry actually has increases like look at 2020. Right. So people people tend to drink more when there's a recession. And then beauty is one of those things where it's a like L'Oreal, it's a it's a luxury that's affordable, right? And so looking good during a recession actually becomes a priority for a lot of women because we feel like it's one way that we can take care of ourselves, right? Like we may not be able to go for a spa day, but we can buy some great mascara, right? We can really, we can look good even if we're not doing good, you know? And so I think that that, that actually helps with women feeling good a little bit better about themselves during tough times so they it's say the beauty articulated- is no, sorry, sorry oh, you're you're just,
1: I'm like chomping at the bit because you articulated that so perfectly it's true and I think a lot of that has to do with how I've positioned Thomas Ashbourne yeah and this in L'Oreal Paris position the same way which is kind of that luxury at mass yeah so you're still in the mass channel um So you're still affordable to the majority of consumers, which actually is something very important to a lot of our celebrities. Absolutely. Um, However, you're more of a luxury choice within that channel. So we're a premium position and Thomas Ashburn is a premium craft cocktail comparable only to the bar. So when we looked at the industry and we looked at RTD or ready to drink, ready to sip and what's happening in the category, as you said, alcohol is pretty recession proof it grows year over year in like the mid single digits, let's say an average of 6% a year. Um, But within that, where you're really seeing the explosive growth is in the RTD category. So you're seeing RTD grow, you know, 20 to 30% a year. And I think some of that, as you said, was accelerated by COVID and the shift in consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. And some of that is because this is just a really dynamic emerging category that the consumer really has a strong demand for and which is here to stay. and it's true that, you know, you may not be able to go out to dinner quite as many times that night, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't have the best in bar quality cocktails at home.
0: Right. Um,
1: alternatively, you're out and you just want a different choice at the bar. You want a different choice at the rooftop bar that you're at or, you know, picking up stuff to stop up for a party at home. It's it's all part of the life we lead. And I think... Um, it's true, beauty as well is a bit recession-proof and it's about making those choices in your basket. And I believe that even in tough times, the consumer is gonna look at their overall basket and really choose the brands that, again, they connect with, they trust, yeah. that know are gonna offer them a quality product. Right. Um, we're not talking about a private plane here, but maybe a dollar or two more for something that tastes that much better. Right. And, you know, that's what we're making.
0: Well, and when you look at, you know, I could be spending $20 to go out and get a really nice cocktail at a bar or I can stay right. home and pay a fraction of that and still have that high quality, you know, again, when when we are looking at our financials that that to me makes a lot of sense like I still want a great cocktail if I'm at home you know I don't want my choices to just be beer and wine because I'm not a bartender right (laughs) but I want a great cocktail but I don't want to go spend $20 at a bar either so I you know I love that you're giving options for for people to be able to have those affordable luxuries at home
1: Exactly right. And it's, it's funny you say that because people always say like, what are your benchmarks or competitors? And of course there are competitors in any, in any space, but I always say like, we really did not benchmark to the competitors. We benchmarked to the bar. So we Mm -hmm. actually went out like drinking with our celebrity partners and we went to their favorite bars and restaurants and we tasted what they liked and where they liked to drink it. And that Mm -hmm. was our benchmark for tasting quality. It wasn't, you know, can I go to the shelf and be as good as, you know, so-and-so, yeah. uh, which I won't say. But, you know, that, that really wasn't the idea because I didn't think there was anything like so amazing out there. I think I thought we could do better. And the idea was like, let's find the things we love and enjoy and let's share those with people. And it's true, whether you're choosing to stay home or mm-hmm. entertain at home or, again, go out. A lot of these drinks are enjoyed out and about, too. Um, yeah. There's a huge growing on-premise Place, a really big place and on-premise for um, for RTD cocktails. So, bars, restaurants, hotels, mini bars, stadiums. Um, mm-hmm. These are all you know major targets for the brand.
0: Fantastic. So, so tell me a little bit about how the brand launched because I imagine with all the celebrity partners, like how how did you become involved? How did they become involved? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
1: I think, you know, all of our celebrity partners are our owners and they all kind of own the business and really wanted to put something forth into the world with authenticity. And, you know, like I, I keep coming back to trust, but it's about creating a product that people trust the celebrities to put something out there that they put their word behind. Yeah. And they kind of put their trust in us to create a product and run a business in in such a way that would make them proud and best represent their brand that they've spent their careers building. Sure. Um, So for us, it was really about finding good partners, you know, celebrities who, and I've done this for a long time now, and I know, you know, the different teams and agencies and, you know, so do a number of my, my founders and partners and team members on my team. And we know, you know, what, what makes a good partnership. And that's what this is. This is about being partners with celebrities and not, you know, it's not transactional. It's not, you know, pay to play. It's really like, let's create good business, good cocktails and do it the right way. So in terms of how it came about that was like the mindset going into it okay and then you have to get into the contracting and you know the fundraising and creating the business and uh, honestly it's tough like i you know i spent a long time like we said in corporate america and that's challenging too um mm-hmm. but being an entrepreneur and starting your own business and running that business and the teams and the complexity, particularly in this industry, because of the distributor relationships and the major retailers, It, it is, it's a whole nother level of, um, it's good stuff. And, you know, I could talk for hours about how women have to make that choice and why I made that choice. Um, they're two, like I said, two totally different levels of intensity, but both
0: quite intense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and it's interesting because your industry is very similar to my industry. And I know a bit about your industry because I spent some time um, prior to starting my company in my earlier twenties, I, you know, cause obviously I'm still in my twenties, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, in my, in my early twenties, I actually spent some time working for a liquor brand. And so I'm aware of the state to state. I mean, Yeah, Your laws are similar to mine. I run a security company, right? So security and event staff. And so every state has their own laws. And sometimes every county has their own security law. So I have to really look at when I'm looking into a market, what are the state requirements? And then what are the county requirements? What are the city requirements? I mean, every single location you go into is different. So I know that the liquor industry, very much the same. So I grew up in Pennsylvania where beer is sold in package state, stores right. and yeah and then you have to go to the state store for liquor yeah. and yeah so I mean it's just it's it's very different and then um but yeah, in South Carolina, it's different. Georgia's, I mean, Georgia, you can pretty much go anywhere you can, you know, from your neighbor's house to the grocery yeah. store, you can find liquor and, and beer and wine and anywhere you go. I don't know what that says about my, my state, but <laughs> living in
1: <laughs> Georgia was the first time I ever heard of the word package store. Yeah, I remember I someone saying it to me and I was like, so you're getting up, you're sending a package. Like I, I, I had no idea what <laughs> they meant. Um, yeah. we don't use that word in the Northeast, uh, yeah. but I know it now, but
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, Georgia, we can pretty much buy it anywhere but in Pennsylvania that was not the case and so but so tell me what that has been like in expanding your brand and trying to figure out all the nuances of 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 moving around
1: yeah so you know we launched the brand in a pretty massive way um you know in our first 6 months of operations we you know, I won't share, but we we definitely surpassed some pretty massive revenue figures. Not massive. I mean, look, we're still a startup and we're growing, but we definitely achieved a lot in a short period of time. So yeah. we set up national distribution, we distributed, you know, within the first six months, we were in over 15 states. By the end of this year, we'll be in over 35.
0: Wow, um that's awesome.
1: nationally partnered with RDC, and then we filled out our distributor map in the states where they don't operate. So we have some really great partners. So setting up the celebrities, the contracts, the product development, the you know, TTB and the cult, like all of the the government regulation stuff and mm-hmm. um, you have to do in Alphav. The supply chain, managing through the most wild times of of supply chain complexity that I think
0: a yeah. lot of the world
1: has seen in recent history. Yeah, um, getting the product into market, solidifying retail relationships, building a team. You know, we were lucky that we got some pretty broad distribution early on um, in terms of retail partners. So. Yeah, We are in Albertson, Zahn, Safeway, Pavilions. We're in Total Wine nationally.
0: Wow, that's Um, great.
1: We're launching in Kroger right now in over 15 states and close to 800 doors. So we have a pretty big placement at Kroger. Um, We're at the MGM, Bellagio, Aria, um, you know, in room. We're at Madison Square Garden in New York City. So we have this beautiful mix of, you know, major national grocery and retail chains that have given us big, big reach. Plus, we're building that on-premise channel that, you know, hotels and restaurants and golf courses, we're we're building that slowly too. So it's really um, it's been a wild ride. Like I yeah. keep saying that, but I can't say it enough. Um, I think it's surprised us. And I, I think what we see is that, you know, the celebrities, they definitely help open doors because they're amazing. And they're these, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker, Vanessa Hudgens, Ashley and Rosario. Like they are just these powerhouses in their industry. Um, but celebrities are not enough. They're they're just a, a very important part of the equation. You have to have good juice. You have mm. to have good product. You have to be able to execute on your business. So it's not just staying there. It's, you know, executing with your retail partner, building programs and displays. Like there's just, um, to your point, it's, it's complex. It's been a heavy lift. But, you know, we'll be in business a year this summer. I think we're starting to learn the seasonality. We're starting to see you know, where we can go from here. Um, And, you know, I think, gosh, the number one thing I've learned is just to start with, with smart, good people who like to work as hard as I do.
0: Yeah, that's really tough to find too, isn't it? It's because it nobody loves your business the way you love your business right? It becomes yeah. it's very it's a passion. And so but yeah, that's that's amazing that you found great partners. So yes. how do you how did you in such a short time get into these big massive retailers with no, you know because a lot of times they look at you know, who else are you doing business with? How long have you been in business? there's there's a you know there's a barrier to entry in some of these retail establishments.
1: Yeah. Um, look, I think we're all hustlers, (laughs) Mm -hmm, even the celebrities who you think are, you know, these massive stars and they are, they're hustlers too. And that's part of the Mm -hmm. the spirit of entrepreneurship that we look for when we look at our partners, you know, we will do everything from, you know, the celebrities that are part of everything. Like I said, from product development to like getting on the phone with the retailers to coming to the meetings. Um and I think that really helps to see the commitment not just of, you know, myself and my leadership team but of our our celebrity partners and then sure. the other thing like I said earlier is just, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Your product has to be good. Yeah. Um you can have the biggest celebrity in the world but if you send a spirits buyer who's been tasting spirits for 30 years in his career a cocktail, the cocktail better be good or he's yeah. not going to buy it no matter who's selling it to him yeah. um, or her. So uh so I think it's really that combination of the good team of good team, good partners, and good product.
0: Awesome. Very cool. So tell me about some of the obstacles and challenges you've had when you were starting your business. Me as
1: a person, me as a business. There's so yeah. many. <laughs> I mean, starting, let's see, we launched in 22. We were doing a lot of our like startup work throughout the course of 2021. I would say that's when the supply chain was the most challenging.
0: Mm. We've seen
1: (laughs) some of the supply chain headwinds slow down a little bit in our business. um, But at that time it was really tough, particularly shipping timelines. We we source our glass um, overseas and, and that was tough. Um, We've had, you know, bottle delays where we've had to pivot and, you know, you never want to not have a product for a customer that's ordered it. So I've had to, you know, expedite shipping on things and pay crazy. Im- I mean, th- those have been some of the scariest times
0: mm-hmm. where you're like,
1: are we going to make it? And then <laughs> you pull a cat out of your hat and like, you kind of make it and you go to bed at your night and you're like, how did I just do that? And then you do it again the next mm-hmm. day over and over. Um, I think I've had more fire drills in the past 12 months than I've ever had in my life. And I have yeah. come to realize it's just, this is it like this. It's a constant state of emergency when you're running yeah. a business, but you have to be like that duck. What's the, what's the, um, the expression, you're like the duck paddling below water.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it
1: looks, looks really smooth fast. on the
0: top. Yeah, exactly. it looks smooth on the top and on the on the bottom, he's paddling his little hard out.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's how yes. I would describe my approach to fire mm-hmm.
0: drills. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah.
1: all business on the front and underneath. I'm just paddling And so is everyone else who works with me.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that because it's, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, in the events industry, you have to keep a cool you know, calm demeanor at all times, knowing it's like knowing that behind the scenes, there could be complete chaos going on, but you have to maintain that composure because they always say, if you don't have control of your neck up, you won't have control of your neck down. So you have to make sure that you're constantly staying cool so that you can think through problems and act on them.
1: 100%. And, you know, I've, I've encountered people in my career and as well in my, in my recent journey who don't stay cool. And, people who do, and obviously you learn from everything, but I think it's also part of cultivating, like executive presence, executive leadership, yeah. role modeling for your teams, um, you know, where there's a sense of urgency, there's a sense of urgency and we can all be, you know, tough and we can negotiate and, but I think there's something to be said for professionalism, for respect, and then as well for, for keeping your cool and at least, you know, you can be serious without being panicked. Yeah. Um, And I think that I've definitely learned that and mastered that. And actually you mentioned events. I used to do a ton of events and and you're right. It's a huge part of it.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's all about staying cool. And, you know, and in the security industry, when we're talking about, you know, being You got to stay calm from the neck up so you can, you know, or have control from the neck up so you have control from the neck down. It's because we're constantly in a state of like, if there were an actual emergency, you have to be able to react physically to, to your environment. And so, yeah, I mean, but it's a part of being an entrepreneur and whenever, you know, when, when other people, I see other people are so stressed out and they're like, how do you stay calm? And I'm like, cause I operate at a high level of stress all the time. So this is my normal, (laughs)
1: like this this is normal. up here all the time I don't know right yes right. but like yeah I a hundred percent like yeah, yeah this stress level is my norm I don't know if it's yeah. healthy I'm trying to get to the gym to burn that off somehow yeah. but, <laughs> Me too. But, um, it's you know yeah the, the state of it
0: yeah you know, I mean,
1: it, in a state of being uncomfortable
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it has to be some pretty earth shattering stuff in order for me to really react to something because, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, this is just the next thing we're doing. Okay. (laughs) Let's deal with it. We're going to deal with this and we're going to move right on. Um, So yeah, I I can totally relate to you. So tell me about some other, uh, so how, how do you find your mixes? How do you find your concoctions? Like, where does this all come from? Is this you, do you have a team of people who are, who are putting this together? I mean, tell me how this, how the operations work in this.
1: Yeah. So, um, We work with a co-packer to create the juice and and the formulations, but, you know, they're ours. Um, I I think more importantly, it's about like the assortment that we put forth to the consumer and how do we choose what cocktails we're offering. Um, We certainly look at data in the marketplace and we look really closely at, you know, what are the top cocktails in the market? What's growing the fastest? So what's capturing and gaining share? um, Mm. What is slowing down? These things all go into our consideration set when we look at what SKUs we want to launch and what SKUs we wanted to offer initially. Mm -hmm. The other thing I looked at is, you know, I'm really looking at building a brand equity around craft quality and taste and being a a true like bar quality cocktail brand. So there's a reason, for instance, that we started with a classic margarita as opposed to one of the many cool flavors and, you know, hint, hint, some more things may be in the pipeline. Yeah. We really wanted to start as a purist, right? Like this is about bar quality bar cocktails. So we have a margarita, a cosmo, an old fashioned. Like these are the things that are truly like the cornerstones of the bar. Mm. And more innovation will follow. And obviously, as I said, we're thoughtful about what drinks and when and in which markets. There's you know a lot that goes into that. Um, and who you're serving and who you're serving them with. So, you know, some of the celebrities, the drink choice was incredibly natural, like Sarah Jessica Parker presenting a cosmopolitan. I don't think there's yes. anything the perfect. <laughs> It's literally so called crazy. the perfect Cosmo by SJP for a reason. Uh-huh. You know, like, I don't have to explain that one. Um, No,
0: perfect. Yeah.
1: But even you know the margarita with with Vanessa, Ashley, and Rosario, the three of them literally love margaritas, and they're also really good friends in real life. And they get oh, together and awesome. they drink margs. And you know the margarita—it's a very social drink, and for us, there's, I think a bit of that like girlfriend, girl power vibe, like people getting together and look men drink marks too. And, you know, we're certainly targeting them as well, but um, there was something again, really natural and and obvious about it. And I think that's an important part of the celebrity choosing the cocktail. Yes, we're gonna show them, you know, here's what's working and here's what's growing, but they also have to love it um, Yeah, it has to be real. and, And that's been our experience so far.
0: Wow. That's so fantastic. So, tell me a little bit more about when you're when you're making that pivot from L'Oreal to craft cocktails. What fears did you have going into this? You know, did you did you have anything that you were like, eh, "Is this too soon?" Or were you pretty confident from from your experience in brand building?
1: Yeah, and as I said, I have spent a long time building brands, a long time establishing relationships. You know, learning digital marketing. So. So the nuts and bolts of the business, I know. I learned a lot about the industry. I absolutely absorbed myself in it. And as I said earlier, I surround myself with subject matter experts. I think, you know, the leader never has to know absolutely everything. Even at L'Oreal, as I, you know, aged in my career, there were people who worked on my team who were certainly stronger subject matter experts in a particular topic than I was, as I saw even, you know, our CEO, who would lean on, you know, his digital experts or social experts to make decisions. So there's nothing wrong with not being the absolute expert in everything. Although ultimately I'd like to try to be because I'm obsessed with learning.
0: Right. Um,
1: but it's more about having the judgment to make decisions, having a clear vision for your team, letting people shine with what they're good with and, you know, making smart choices about, about the overall direction you want to go as you learn, you know, what you're doing in the industry. So to answer your question, I think it was like, was I scared or not really? Maybe I just like lack that, that gene, which maybe I, should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't scared. I was, excited. Um, yeah. I was so excited every day.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I always say I have an unhealthy lack of fear and <laughs> I feel like
1: we're the same person. <laughs> I know.
0: So, so that is something our, uh, you know, risk risk tolerance is pretty high for me. Yes. Uh because
1: it has to be for an entrepreneur. Yeah.
0: Well, and I also feel like I am like you. I I love to learn, and so if I want to figure something out, I'm going to dive in obsessively about it until I sure. feel like I can pretty much um, speak knowledgeably about the subject. And I feel like that's something that. Um, If you're an entrepreneur, that is a huge asset, right? Having that ability to dive in and learn. Um, And I don't need to know in depth everything, but I need to have a pretty basic knowledge of everything so that I know I'm not being taken advantage of so I can give clear direction on how I want something to go. Um, But yeah, I think that's a huge advantage. So good for you. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) So healthy, healthy risk appetite. Yeah, and and it, it is so important. I mean, I tell you it's it's probably one of those things that makes entrepreneurs a little bit different, a little bit probably crazy.
1: 100% <laughs>
0: insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So tell me as women, I mean, this is one of the questions that I always ask as women, we give our power away all the time, whether it's taking criticism or giving somebody else credit or whatever that might be. So in your career, is there a time that you gave your power away? And then is is there a time that you step back into your power? And then what was the difference between the two?
1: Such a good question. Um, I think, first of all, I will say I, I never, maybe it's how I was raised, um, but I've always been pretty confident in Good. in my voice and my thoughts. But I do think, you know, especially earlier in my career, I was maybe slower to talk, or you know, but that's okay. I I don't know if I've ever given my power away explicitly. I think I've been lucky to be surrounded by people who've encouraged my talent, and I, I do respect, you know, people who know more in the room, and I listen to them. So I'm not, but um, I don't know if I've ever actually given my power away. I think I've just slowly, slowly stepped into it more and more. Um, yeah, I, I wish, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I think that I, I'm pretty self-assured about that. Um, I think, you know, there's an element of being humble that's natural and normal, but as I said, it's more about like a slow burn of my power growing rather than it, you know, being given away and now taking it back. I'm just stepping into it more every day.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's fantastic. And I mean, you've built an amazing brand in a year, you know, so you're, <laughs> you're really just taking off. And I think that that speaks volumes to your confidence and your ability and your competence. So good for you. I think that's amazing. Um, so what advice would you give to 18 year old you? Uh uh,
1: gosh, well, personal or professional, I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, um, don't be afraid. Like it's all going to work out even right now. I don't know that it's going to work out. Right. Like mm-hmm. every day is touch and go in some respects, but, um, mm-hmm. I think you'd be surprised where you're going to end up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think, um, it's your relationships, the time that you have invested in them mm-hmm. and every single person you have met along your path will come back to serve you.
0: Yes. Every single
1: one, there is not. I, I'm a. I really am a relationship person. Like I, I, I tend to deeply like and respect almost everyone that I work with because I take the time to get to know them and I enjoy them. And if a person yeah. I don't enjoy, I don't really. We tend, to tend not yeah. to do this But every single relationship has served me, especially as an entrepreneur. You need to like dig into this like crazy toolbox and, and like. I've called back to like my Bloomberg days and gotten to connect to someone who, you know, is an expert in this industry in another market that I'm evaluating for our expansion. Like there's, it's so crazy how your relationships will serve you. So mm-hmm. they are absolutely the best investment of your time. Every time you've paused to ask a colleague how they are, every person you've reached out to cross-functionally, every, you know, agency that's pitched you something. And while you didn't hire them, you said, thank you for your time and your expertise. Every single one of them will serve you. I think that's mm-hmm. what I would share with my 18 year old self. And somehow, I guess I knew that because I, I took them, but you know, it's, um, it is crazy how much they help.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, so many relationships that I've had for years and years and years. And I thought, okay, well that relationship has run its course. And then a few years later, that just comes back in some weird way and just to kind of benefit that some wherever you're at in that moment. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. So what's your favorite cocktail of all the ones that you have? Uh, so I know they're probably 12. all your babies, right? They're probably yeah, they are. Babies. They are. Um,
1: I think too, for me, I love the Cosmo cause I, I tend to be in don't tell Vanessa Ashley Rosario. I love a good margarita, but I'm more of a vodka drinker than a, than I'm Russian. So yeah, I'm yeah. more of a vodka drinker than, than a tequila drinker. And I, I love the Cosmo. I think it's very refreshing. It's very easy to drink. Like actually when I'm at a bar, sometimes I find the cosmos are really like tart or this one is just smooth. Like I can just drink it all day, which might be a bad thing, but it's really, yeah, it's drinkable. It's easy. It's fresh. I love it. Um, I also kind of like the hard Scotto it's, um, I'm a wine drinker and I like a sweeter taste profile, so it's not for everyone. But if you like a sweeter drink and it's carbonated, um, it's really good. It's very refreshing. It's actually doing really, really well in Georgia. So, Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm not such an old fashioned drinker by nature. Um, I don't tend to love the darker spirits. Like I said, like I'm, I'm more of a vodka drinker personally, but I'm able to really enjoy our old fashioned when it's super cold on the rocks. It
0: is so good. Oh, that's so awesome. Good. Yeah. I, (laughs) I used to be a Cosmo drinker. I was a Cosmo drinker for, you know, all of my twenties and thirties. And then since I've reached the forties, I've now like moved over to the call or to the uh, old fashioned side. So I have a lot of women who
1: developed like a real taste for the Mm -hmm. darker spirits.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, yeah, so I've kind of moved over to uh, old fashions now. So I'm going to have to go over. There is a liquor store not far from my house and a Kroger and I'm going to go check it out and I'm going to go find them. And I will send <laughs> you some. I will, I will get
1: You get me your address. I'll get you some cocktails. Yeah, so
0: I am looking forward to trying it because that's the one thing is I don't do bartending at home. If I'm at home, it's a glass of wine but if I go Not out either. I have two yeah.
1: kids. I have you know I have an almost five-year-old and a three-month-old like I do love entertaining and yeah. having people over but I'm happy to offer them would you like a glass of wine a cocktail and then they're all there in the fridge whatever my
0: guest yep. <laughs> that's amazing and this is going to be my go-to now so Bye. that I don't <laughs> have to sit there with a whole bunch of things out on my counter, trying to figure out how to bartend and looking up things on my phone on how to make it. So it. this is going to be my new go-to and I'm excited about that. So thank you for yep. making my life a little easier. Your way. <laughs> so, um, all right. So this has been really, really enjoyable. So, um, so you said we can get these pretty much nationwide. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So they are available on our website. We ship to most states in case you can't find it locally. We also have a store locator on our website, thomasashborn.com. So you can find the store closest to you that carries us. Um, but like I said, we're in Albertsons, Vons, Pavilion, Safeway, um, Lee's Specs, Total Wine, GoPuff, BevMo. Um, and we're launching a program
0: nationally right now. That is fantastic. Well, congratulations on that success. What's next for you guys? Thank you. Uh, look, I think we're just getting started.
1: I always yeah. say, like, I people sometimes say like, oh, good work. You've done great. And I'm such a perfectionist. So I'm like, I am literally just getting started. We have so yes. much more to do. We have new partners that we're announcing, new innovations coming. Um, we're eyeing additional territories. We're launching in Canada right now, actually. Yeah. Um, Look, I really believe that this has the potential to be a powerful brand for longevity Mm -hmm. and one that the consumer knows stands for bar quality taste. And as I said, RTD is here to stay. We can really have a very healthy portfolio of cocktails. Um, And then after that, perhaps even more. So I have some tricks up my sleeve. Not done yet. I'm not tired yet. Um, I love it. The team and I are just, we're, we're really, I think, excited I was gonna say going into this year, but we're almost almost a third of the way in. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots to come.
0: Well, I'm excited. I just I just know this is going to just blow up. And I'm excited I for so you sweet. and I'm excited for your success. So congratulations. Thank so one last question I have for you. What do you wish more people knew? About me or the brand. Anything you want.
1: I wish more people knew how incredibly capable women are as leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um you know I spend a lot of my time fundraising and I know that I can build this brand and that I am building this brand in a way that like not many people can and mm-hmm. at the same time I look at the even just the fundraising landscape or the leadership landscape and you know in general 4% actually 2 years ago 4% of all VC funding went to women and this mm-hmm. year It dropped to 2% because in times of economic uncertainty, people are even less willing to bet on women. And then you look at the stats about women in the C-suite across industry, but particularly in this industry. Um, At the same time, you see bright spots, right? I think there was a recent acquisition of 21 Seeds, which is female owned and founded. So you see some bright spots and I'm certainly hopeful and I see women coming together. And like I said, I've met and been welcomed by a lot of people in this industry, but it still really surprises me you know, how far women still have to go. And then in particular, you know, women of color have to go even further. So that's not lost on me. Um, And it's something very, very important to me and that, you know, I have two daughters, actually four, I have two stepdaughters and two daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope that, you know, when, when they're doing a podcast or whatever technology form they do in 25 years and they're the CEO of something, that they don't have to sit there and say, you know, well, only 2% of all funding goes to women and only 4% of all C-suite positions in this industry are held by women. I hope they're singing a very different tune.
0: Yes, I do too. I do too. And that was kind of one of the Reasons for the podcast is because I'm, you know, I'm right with you with all those stats. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. You know, why are we, why are we saying this is great that women are now getting funding at all? Like this is, you know, it wasn't that long ago women could even get bank accounts by themselves. Right. And so it's like, guys, we... We have we have light That's years pathetic. to go. <laughs> well, and they're like, "Oh, well now half of the companies on the Fortune 500 now have women on their board of directors." I'm like, "No, they have a woman. One. Half of the companies have white. a woman." And I'm like, right. "No, this is not this is not equal. Like there is there's no equity here." I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's, uh, I'm with so you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to stop fighting until we're until I'm until with early. you. Well, thank so. you for the work you do with this podcast and elevating
1: women's voices and it's, it's really important work. And I'm just very grateful for the time. And maybe we'll chat again in like a few weeks or a year or a month and we'll, you know, we'll have a lot of progress to share.
0: Absolutely. No doubt. Well, thank you so much. You have been such a joy and inspiration to talk to. I've really enjoyed every bit of it. So have a wonderful day, everybody. And um, if you want to see more about her cocktails, you can go to, is it what's the website again? thomasashborn.com or Thomas thomasashborn okay. on instagram okay perfect and then you can also go to pretty powerful and you can find all the information about her as well so thank you so much kara this has been a pleasure and i hope everyone has an absolutely amazing day thank you for joining our guests on the pretty powerful podcast and we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on pretty powerful podcast.com Visit us next time, and until then, step into your own power.